Hockey Talk, the podcast for the minibus.com. Joining me today is Chris. Hello. TJ. Yep. My name is David, and uh, we are Sans Brent. No Brent today. Brent Brent Sands. <laughs> He's a bastard of Dorn. Sans of Brent. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, on today's podcast, we're going to talk about the homework from last week, which was Mr. Nobody, and then go into our film, our uh, main topic, which is going to be... Films. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to sign new homework. It's... Yep. So first off, Mr. Nobody. Belgian director talking about parallel timelines, death, memory, butterfly effect, string theory. Yep, time travel. Time travel. But none of it. Yeah. (laughs) At the same time. Yeah. I eventually, uh, I saw a review that was kind of funny. It it just like listed in a paragraph. It's like all this stuff and, you know, even more things that are in this movie. And old man makeup and the, the future and all kinds of things. It's like, but it's not really about anything. Yeah. It's essentially like a uh, like a, a buzzword come to life. Yeah. <laughs> for for what it's trying to be about. Yeah, I described it last night as if you took the first ten words out of every student in a creative writing class's like first essay and you like poured it into a giant pot and stirred it together and just like spilled it onto a page, that would be all the elements of this movie. It's essentially about this guy named Nemo Nobody, who's Jared Leto. And he re- name alone. as yeah. a like hundred and twenty year old mortal looks back on his life and the decision points he had. Yeah. Biggest one being, does he want to live with his dad or his mom after a divorce? Or do or do nothing and have the decision made for him. Or do nothing and have the decision made for him. Yeah. And then it goes back to a bunch of branching points, goes back in some things he dies and goes back, in something he ends up with three different uh, people who become his wives, yeah, to varying effects of dissatisfaction, yeah. And, and I love how trying to be super intellectual, but it treats you like such an idiot. It's like, well, there's the one girl who wears yellow and has blonde hair. There's the other girl who wears red and has black hair, and then the third girl's Asian. <laughs> like no color associated with her because the director's like, well, come on, she's Asian. Like, we can remember names. As long as you give them all names, then we'll be able to at least try to keep track of which timeline we're in. It's kind of like an Excel spreadsheet as a screenplay. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's like one of them, Anna. Pivot table. (laughs) Pivot table. Like, one of the girls, Anna, they both love each other, but they're like step siblings. Yeah. And one of them, Elise, he loves her. She doesn't love him. And the other one, the Asian, Asian loves him. He doesn't love her. Right. It's like the three different options there all are. The The most enjoyment I had out of that movie was the conversation that he and Jean, uh, the Asian woman, mm-hmm. they have in the bed where she's like, what is your fascination with that car? Like, why do you spend more time like fixing and cleaning that car than you do with me? And he's just like, all right. Gets up from bed, walks downstairs to the driveway, and sets fire to his car. He walks back in the room and goes like, the car problem's handled. And it's just like, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> so how about some good stuff about this movie? I thought that he definitely makes, for a movie that literally bangs you over the head telling you it's about choice, he makes a lot of stylistic choices. It is such like a uh, portfolio for I'm a quirky director stuff. Yeah. Like there is, there are some interesting visuals. Yeah. The, it, the, the like fake Neil deGrasse Tyson stuff. Yeah. Reminded me of in Tenacious D, Pick of Destiny, when he's tripping on mushrooms, and he goes like, words, and words come out of his mouth. (laughs) The way that he's talking about string theory, and he's like, there are nine observable universes in the background in big, bold fonts, like, nine observable universes. It's like the Dennis Leary Ford truck commercial. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, 
Just the the active text for everything he's saying. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. The music's pretty good. The music's pretty good. I like the, the piano score through it, and it's got some guitar stuff and really big songs in that. Yeah. Jared Leto's not a bad actor. Mm-mm. He does well in this role as... There's kind of the question of, is he amnesiatic or like have Alzheimer's or can he see into the future? So it's lots of him like some some good shots of him being bewildered at the timeline switch mm-hmm. in the narratives, I guess. I'm guessing that the reason why it's like that and shown on screen like that because it's probably how he's telling the story to the reporter, but we never see that frame story mm-hmm. uh, like come to the fore. Um, but the way that he's like switching between narratives, you're switching real time with him. That's some clever acting by Jared Leto. Yeah, rather than just picking up the story. Right. And it being even more jarring where he's got a British accent all of a sudden. Yeah. Or like, you know, it's not the, the Big Fish style. I'm not talking shit about Big Fish. I love that movie. Um, where it's at the end of every major story beat, it comes back to Albert Finney mm-hmm. telling the story to his kid. It just meanders its way through the narrative, the narrative, um, the story beats as it goes. And then only when there's something important to change or tell in the, the fake future, does it go there? Him as a, the old man make him and his old man acting is just really unsettling for me. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. The end when he's like walking around backwards and he's just like him with a big smile on his face and the raisin face. With like the lunatic laugh like, <laughs> You could definitely see the inspiration behind his Joker laugh. Because it's that, mm-hmm. As the old man, it's like, that's Suicide Squad. That's Suicide Squad Jared Leto. <laughs> this is where he got his fucking chops for that stupid laugh. It was bad then and it's bad in this movie. Yep. So, transitioning to some stuff that I didn't like about it, it is just... Overly convoluted and complicated. It is one of the most arrogant movies I've ever seen. Yeah. One of the most, like, overly proud movies, too. Mm -hmm. Like, it's such a prideful movie about what it is, but it's so much less smart than it feels like. Because we're burying the lead, all of the interesting story developments and plot changes and the alternative timelines and the time travel and the main character has superpowers and can see into the future... It's all a coma dream. It's all a coma dream. Uh, including uh, him writing the script of him taking his girlfriend's ashes to Mars. It's all a coma dream. So, that's a shitty payoff. Is it a coma dream or in the end was it all... He like literally says this is all in the mind of an eight-year-old boy. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, it's... it's well, not, not necessarily a coma dream, but it's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, that, yeah it's like the... What is it, the St. Elsewhere yeah, finale it's, where it's like yeah. they're in a snow globe? Yeah. is And it's that style where yeah. like the premise of the show becomes the, this is, none of this is real. Mm-hmm. And there's, I don't think there's any room for discussion. Like if it would have been a, if it would have ended with the three different or the four or five different endpoints of each of the stories, then you could go like, oh, well, which one did he really take? And you could think about that. But there's nothing to think about. Because it tells you none of those were actually taken. Yeah. Like, it, it tells you many right. times. Yeah. Like, it's about choice. He's yeah. making the choice. The word choice pops up. Yeah. Choice. <laughs> <laughs> you reverse ate a hoagie-sized word of choice. <laughs> I think, like, I think I counted I think there are six different stories going on in this movie. I just really think it could have benefited by paring it down. But at the mm-hmm. same time, when it got more conventional... 
is when I thought the movie was getting even worse. Yeah. In terms of, like, the, the acting and, like, what are you actually... What is the point of your story? Yeah. That kind of became more more in view and maybe more doubted, I guess. It is overlong and incredibly boring. Yeah. And even, like, the wild decision-making that the director made, it's still not that stunning. The plot itself isn't interesting enough. If you pulled them all into clue style, like, let's play out the plot, and then at the end go, like, but what would have happened if this would have changed? Mm-hmm. You know, and then play it again. Like, it's still uninteresting in either format. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody... It's like, you couldn't have been saved, kind of. Yeah. Everybody understands that sometimes in your life you will have to make a choice, and that choice is important. And it could change the trajectory of your life. So they literally, even though I think everybody knows what the butterfly effect is, they literally define it and they have it happen. Yeah. They have a butterfly and it turns into a leaf and the leaf like blows to England and the father falls on the leaf and that's how he meets the mother. <laughs> they literally have that scene from beginning <laughs> to end of this is the butterfly effect after telling you what it is. Yeah. They have that twice because they also have the Brazilian who was boiling an egg. And the moisture went up into the sky and made it rain. And there's the two different things like that. Yeah. And when we say they explain what the butterfly effect is, Jared Leto is on screen wearing a turtleneck and glasses. And he is explaining the idea of the butterfly effect and chaos theory. Like, like through the fourth wall? Yes. Ugh. Well, he's like taping a TV program. He's like, but that's not even, that's not made clear until the last one of those sure. where they, you know, call a rap on his TV show, which I guess is one of the timelines. Yeah, I, I don't know where that would have fit in. Is that, is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to, I was trying to. Yeah, turn. no, it's just the, the conversation y'all had about the movie, the end with that. Yeah, I don't know where that goes. I guess. <laughs> it's funny. There's, yeah, there's like, a lot of that going on. <laughs> it's the thing about like, there's interesting, I guess, interesting visual stuff, mm-hmm. but I think this movie would have been a little bit better if everything wasn't so fucking obvious. Yeah. Like, they make the obvious thing, like, that we're going back now, so everyone's walking backwards. Or, you know... At one point, he's like, he says to himself, after uh, the the scene where he tells his girlfriend after she gets hit by her boyfriend at the party, after she tells him, like, you know, put my ashes, like, scatter my ashes on Mars, he says to himself, he goes, but I know that I could have done that better. And then he goes back and makes the choice differently. And mm-hmm. it's like... You literally just told us, like, I'm going to go back in time. And then mm-hmm. he goes back in time. Film physically rewinds. Yeah. You see it, like, rewinding. And some of the thematic stuff, too, like, Anna is water. Because, <laughs> like, the, the rain erases the phone number. Mm-hmm. Like, they, instead of saying, swimming is for idiots, <laughs> he goes back and said, swimming could be cool. Yeah. <laughs> so they have fun on the beach. And then, like, what does that guy end up becoming? Oh, he works for a pool company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, after telling, I forget who he tells, he's like, or he says, like, I told my mom that one day I would own a pool. Like, hard cut to him opening the door to, like, his van for the pool company. It's like, I don't know. It's And it does the whole thing, like, I understand it in old movies where there's the romantic scene of, and I return to that spot every day for the next year until I met your grandmother. Mm-hmm. But the movie takes place in, like, 2000 and you know in the 2010s essentially and like he can't find Anna without having to do homeless Jared Leto at like a train station (laughs) or on the boardwalk where he outlines in chalk this is where I am and you know where 
Anna walks up into that little circle. <laughs> yeah. Not to mention all the all the bizarre out of place shit, like him floating on the bench while he's sleeping on it. The weird like subdermal implants that they get at like inconsistent facial implants, just like mm-hmm. for no reason. And uh, you begin the movie with Doctor Tattoo Face. <laughs> <laughs> And I think throughout the movie, they end up breaking over 20 different vases. <laughs> including fun, in the, fun fact. Including in the end, there's the, there's the dad looking at the mother lovingly, just gleefully smashing a vase. And there's a balloon that lights up says, game over. Because when those timelines, he's going to go back. Yeah. I didn't look at any of like, the trivia or anything about this movie, because I was so mad when I watched it. So mad that I wrote that manifesto apologizing <laughs> for picking this fucking movie. It was such a good read, though. I feel like this it's already taken two hours plus of my life. If you guys have more to say about Mr. Nobody, we can talk about it. But it's just, it's exhausting. Did you know, trivia about Mr. Nobody, free movement across time is a recurring theme of the film. No way. <laughs> he goes back to before he was born, too, that that was a uh-huh. choice. You know, going back to the theme of choice, which is mm-hmm. the theme in the movie of choice. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and that and that he he says that he ch- the reason why he chose his parents, his who who adopted him, <laughs> like because it goes through like the different couples and mm-hmm. then it lands on the those awkward redheads. And it's like, well, I chose them because this was the question they asked. Do you want to know how we met? It's like, oh. The fucking enlightening. What the you fuck? Gotta, you gotta read us more to destroy right. it. It's even better because... <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, free movement across time is a recurring theme of the film. The central character's name is Nemo, which when spelled backwards is Omen, a foretelling of the future. Future is further his main love interest, Anna, and his daughter, Eve, both of which are the same when read in reverse. <laughs> 243 out of 254 found this interesting. <laughs> God damn it. Their bar was low. The next one is the only other one I read. Nemo is Latin for nobody. That name may remind people of Homer's epic Odyssey, at which some point the Greek hero Odysseus and a few of his men are captured by the Cyclops, Polyphemus. When asked about his name, Odysseus replies his name means nobody. Later, when Odysseus and his men attempt to escape, they stab the Cyclops in his only eye with a burning stake. 219 out of 231 found this interesting. <laughs> That's because they're hearing about the Odyssey for the first time. Yeah, they're just... They're just there's Cyclopses and there's boats and there's, there's capturing. Was that on ABC back in the day? <laughs> catch the Odyssey. You should get get down to the into the spoiler trivia. That's... Hold on. Okay. There's a recurring phone number in the film. That's the Fibonacci sequence. Don't care. But like, why? Yeah. That's my yeah. point. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Why do that? And why should we care? After this film, Jared Leto took a break from acting. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think like he was in the screening and just grinning ear to ear because it's so much Leto in that movie. He's got accents, he's got all over the thing, and then like two and a half hours later, she goes, "Nope." <laughs> <laughs> a character explains the movie with a rare chest term, Zugzwang. What? Oh, yeah. That's in the spoilers. It's the chest term where it's like the only good move is oh, no yeah. move at all. They literally defi- they like define. It's like high school papers I would re- write where it's like. Webster's Dictionary defines blah 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 as this. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the movie so many times. It just makes it feel so inauthentic and imposterish when there's like a young kid going, well, the best move is 
to not do anything. Zugzwang. It's the chess term, and they show him playing chess. Yeah. It's like, you can have that feeling, but I feel like you have to screenplay it into the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and not just, like, have a screenplay of bullet points. Right. Like, stop dropping your 50 cent SAT words out of context. <laughs> you gotta hit us with another one. This, this, <laughs> it's so awful. Oh, and I, did you love it when he watched the DVD of himself, and it says, like, it's all from The Architect. I thought we were going to get a Matrix crossover, and Leto was going to be swimming in some zeros and ones. During one of the earlier scenes where Nemo wakes up with possibly Elise, he heads into the bathroom but hesitates when switching the light on. During lucid dreaming, nothing happens when you switch on a light. (laughs) Fucking clearly. (laughs) Look, I like there's a set of rules for lucid dreaming. Yeah, but don't waste your time. Don't watch this movie. Um, Don't listen to this podcast. I've infected everything with this movie. I posted about Facebook on it, so don't go on Facebook anymore. <laughs> this is a total boycott. It was interesting in that I felt it felt so short of delivering. Because <laughs> it had it took like every shot at every interesting quirk of a movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it just not to hit the theme again, the theme of the movie was choice. It could have made a choice to pare that down a little bit. Right. It's like... Uh, the director was the Brazilian guy. <laughs> Just, I'm Lamar Burton. <laughs> That's the end of the podcast. It's uh, it's like Leela in Futurama. She becomes the first Major League Blurns Ball player because since she has one eye, she has no depth perception. And so every time she pitches the ball, even without trying, she always beams the batter. It's like, how is this statistically possible? <laughs> that you have all these opportunities to talk about and, and showcase these really heady, interesting ideas, you know, string theory, the butterfly effect, the free motion through time, whatever the, that article said, and you just like, you're fucking 0 for 100. That is an, an anomaly. But I still don't think it was worth it. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was proof, though, that the Netflix recommendation system is working for me, though. Because it seems like everything that I see on the front page is like... Because, you know, it scales, it goes down in the blank percent recommend. Sure. Uh, this was a 68% recommended, which is probably the lowest that I have pulled out of Netflix other than unrated. Cool. Cool. Yes. <laughs> For Mr. Nobody, I think I would recommend it to nobody. Maybe if you're a college freshman and you're just like, no, not even then. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if you want to start pulling at the thread of some like modern philosophy... But like just starting to pull the thread, mm-hmm. then this might be a good foray into it. Foray into it. So we'll go ahead and go to our main topic. Inspired by Mister Nobody is stuff being out of order in things that go together. <laughs> Non-linear narrative presentation. It's the uh, first one that pops into y'all's mind. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And pretty much. So what about after that? <laughs> all Tarantino. There's Pulp Fiction. And it's in uh, Kill Bill. All those are out of order. Then goes back and forth. Reservoir Dogs. It's in Hateful Eight. Jackie Brown? I don't know. Uh, I don't don't remember Jackie Brown as much. I just don't remember it. Inglorious Bastards, kind of. But that's more just three stories told. Or not three, but like a few different stories told from different starting points. That's true. Hmm. And the Death Proof doesn't, obviously. Yeah. No, it does. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember. Movies. So the thing about remembering movies that are not linear too is that if you remember them in the correct order, <laughs> yeah, because that's how you remember the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You have to actually remember watching the movie and not or what happens. Okay. Yeah. Number two for me is Memento. Memento. 
Yeah, <laughs> built a movie on that structure. I think probably did it the best. Yeah. Because I think a, a good question for these things is: is putting the movie out of place because the movie is not interesting linear, or does it add to the story? Well, the thing about Memento is it's mm-hmm. it is it's a good question. It is a pivotal character trait mm-hmm. that is represented through editing. Yeah. There's 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 a cut of that movie yeah. where someone like put it together in order, mm-hmm. and it is like boring as shit. Mm-hmm. It starts with the reveal, and then it's just kind of him, just kind of bumbling around like Mr. Bean, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> but I, I, yeah, so I think in that case, pulling it out to its its to the its, its natural linear progression does make it less of a movie. <laughs> but it all cut up is so much more essential than just like a cheap plot device to make it interesting. Yeah, and plus the non-linear narrative is uh, indebted to character. Yeah, it's part of the character. Yeah, it's definitely mm-hmm. something as like a fifteen-year-old is mm-hmm. like probably. My favorite movie of all time when I saw it. Because I was just... I thought it was so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a clever movie. I don't think it's necessary for Pulp Fiction, now that I think yeah. about it. I, I was thinking about that, too. Was Pulp Fiction, like... I mean, we're bookended by the diner scene. But everything after that is... Chapter one is two characters going about their business. And then chapter two is one character. But it's, like, halfway in, in that story. And then, like, yeah... A later story involves Vincent, but it's like it doesn't. It has to happen afterwards. It's basically the the second chapter, which is Bruce Willis, because Bruce Willis kills Vincent, right? And he's in the third one, yeah. Right. So essentially, two is after three, yeah. You know, it's pretty much in some kind of order, with the diner scene being before Bruce Willis, right? Another movie I thought about was Eternal Sunshine, Spotless Mind, but it's kind of the nonlinear stuff in that movie is a function of memory. Not yeah. To, not to bring up Mister Nobody, but. It's the stuff that comes in. Sometimes he's little Joel. Yeah. With his mom under the table. Sometimes it's later on. Kind of back and forth. Pulling up memories to mm-hmm. try to undelete. Well, yeah. It's, uh, that is a good example of another way to do it, I think. Yeah, because it's, it's kind of linear for the character we are supporting. Going through a non-linear environment. Right, sure. Because for him, he's going through these things, but accessing these points that are back and forth. Yeah. It's a function of when you have memory in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I think, one movie I think uses it very well is uh, The Prestige. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's super subtle in The Prestige. Yeah. Another Nolan movie. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah. It's subtle enough that it makes the, the finale pretty satisfying. <laughs> the Prestige. Yeah. <laughs> that Nolan. The Aristocrats. <laughs> yeah. He's an <laughs> asshole, but he can make a movie. <laughs> also, recently, Arrival does a great job of. Oh yeah, super Not, subtle. You know, playing its hands subtly enough, almost to where it's like a narrative, a twist. Mm-hmm. You, you, you twist yourself. Kind yeah, of. I also don't know if it's possible to pick a point in that movie to start at to make it like if you were going to redraw the movie into a linear retelling. What point do you pick? It's so cyclical, mm-hmm. and That's true. It, to me, that that movie feels like a Mobius strip. Because once you once you include obvious spoiler alerts, we're talking about you know the design of a plot. So we're going to talk about the endings of mm-hmm. movies. Once you start grappling with the fact that like the main character gained knowledge and went back in time and built herself the blueprints so that she could learn it again. I mean, she could tell the future. So the movie technically is linear. Right. She's remembering the future at the beginning, and then it's just straight up. Yeah. Linear. So it's technically not. It's. It's kind of touched on eternal sunshine yeah. a little bit. It's like yeah. For her, it's linear. For us, it's non-linear. It's non-linear, like on your first watch, yeah. <laughs> and then after that, it becomes linear. Kind of like super interesting. I mean, any kind of time travel cycle stuff like that, time travel or knowledge of the future, that kind of thing, like Donnie Darko too, is kind of a uh, 
like circle, circle yeah. linear thing where I, I still don't get that movie. But I will fully admit I do not understand what happens in Donnie Darko. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I have a really casual understanding of it either, but at one point, <clears throat> I knew it, but it's just been so long. Yeah. I mean, I've had Cassandra explain it to me, because she gets it, and I still don't. Like, I just don't understand. Mm-hmm. But, but no fault of that movie. I'm not going to take a shot at it, but at least it's not linear. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I know that. Yeah. Um, one that, uh, to get out of sci-fi, sure. um, that I think it's done well, Blue Valentine. Yeah. And, uh, and we get to talk about that, because Brent's not here, because he would just be groaning the whole time, because he hates that movie. Mer. Um, I don't know if he hated it or if he he hated so depressing. it he hated it yeah I like it it's super fucking upsetting yeah, yeah. I, I just love the way that you that they tell the story of this relationship falling apart simultaneously from them meeting and them being separate and meeting in the middle of like the sweet spot when it was great mm-hmm. like it's a great way to tell that story yeah yeah because I mean great way to function is if you're remembering a relationship it's all Kind of continuous like that. Yeah. It says The Watchmen. I don't think that really counts. I mean, it's got some elements of non- non-linearity and flashbacks, but it's I'll also say, kind of irrelevant with Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> I think for, like, talking about, like, you see a lot with Tarantino a couple times with Nolan. The early movies of uh, Alejandro González and Yeah. Like, Amores Peros, 21 Grams. Babel. Babel and yeah. stuff. They have that non-linear thing. It's not just different stories, but I think it's also in different time frames. Yeah. Like the Gael Garcia Bernal character in Morris Peros, he'll be like a side character where he hasn't done something yet in an earlier thing. Right. It's I'm trying to, because a lot of these examples that I'm seeing are, not to cut you off, but I was thinking about Babel. Oh, sure. Is I, I want to make a differentiation, not that it's necessary, between a movie which tells a story from... T- different characters' perspectives that don't necessarily happen. And like hyperlink. A, a to B, B to C, C to D. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they can be, you know, kind of the way that normal life is, where, you know, one day, like you're always the main character of your own story, right. sure. but there are other characters within it, and they're the main characters of their story. Mm-hmm. So we pick the best parts to show you in where this movie. kind of parallel narrative rather than non-linear. Right. And then also exclude movies, there's Slumdog Millionaire. Like, excluding a movie like Slumdog Millionaire, because, yeah, it's non-linear, but it's, he's playing the game show where he's pulling his knowledge of the answers from, varies from his life, but it doesn't, like, him retelling stories, like, Big Fish isn't non-linear to me. Like, Saving Private Ryan, is that non-linear? Right. Because you have the bookend scenes? Is is the Martian non-linear, or because, you know, at the very end, you've got Mark Watney as an old man, like, because you jump in time, Mm -hmm. like... Right. Yeah, I mean... What does that leave? Right, and it's not a lot. And that's, I think, Mm -hmm. what's fun. Because, like, Crash, to me, isn't non-linear. Yeah, that, like, hyperlink connection shit, it's it's technically non-linear because you go from, like, year one to year two, and then a new story, year one to year two, and you see where that connects. Right. But it's, like, five movies that have the same ending. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm with you. What about, uh, did you guys ever see the movie Joy? I'm thinking of the ending of the movie Joy, where they kind of go back and forth. She's going over to the deal... And you get a scene of her completely oh. rich and talking, and then go back, and it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I'm trying to think like you know, those are good rules for what we consider nonlinear because like flashbacks or just different people. Yeah, it's not really the same thing. I'm trying to right. figure something that works in it. Well, I feel like we we have the, the the and not that I'm making myself the architect of this, but there's like three categories of nonlinear. You've got the parallel storytelling in the 
you were calling it hyperlink storytelling. Right. And then you've got, you know, flashback or not to say storytelling, storytelling, mm-hmm. but memory. Yeah. And then you've got like true nonlinear. Like Cloud Atlas is true nonlinear. Yeah, Cloud Atlas or uh, what was that time travel movie that was Primer? Like, yeah, Primer. Yeah. Because like in Cloud Atlas, it is it is important, like it is critically important that you realize that these are the same characters mm-hmm. in different roles, in different points in history, some of them fantastical, some of them as real as like a nineteen seventies beat journalist. Like that 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 feels pretty pure nonlinear. Um, and we jump back and forth between, you know, this Korean dystopian future where there's like lots of androids and guy androids doing gross shit for corporations. And then you've got what is it the that Tom Hanks calls it? In the like the weird post apocalyptic future. They've got have you guys seen it? Yeah, I, I haven't. Okay. Uh, I mean I, I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> I, looked, I looked at it. It's hard. It's like it's also like fucking three and a half hours yeah. long. Not a terrific movie, but some of the scenes in it are really cool. Yeah, there's a future language that's like super juvenile. Like, we're gonna do the good good. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. They just like weirdly repeat words. I heard that just in terms of, you know, I got that good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking you mean we're gonna do the good good. Um, not meaning to cut the movie part of it short, but just trying to think outside. Can you think of TV shows with nonlinear narratives like that? I guess the first thing I thought of, but it's just flashbacks, is Lost. Well, yeah, but it gets, it's it's certainly nonlinear. Yeah. Because there's, like, as soon as the third season starts, it's, like, if you, the viewer, aren't asking your, yourself the question, wait, why are they off the island? When is this happening? Is this another mm-hmm. flashback? And then the creator, the creators of the show, like, Lindelof, got cute with it and started calling them, like, Flash Sideways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great example. I uh, think that show's way too shit on. I kind of want to go back and watch it. Yeah, I'm with you. I wish I... You'll hit it, though. You'll hit that point. Yeah. Go, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, you get you get a flash forwards at the beginning of seasons of Breaking Bad. Oh yeah, the the, the bear. So at least to start putting shit together. Like yeah, you have you have the plane crash, mm-hmm. and also later on you have uh, Walter White's birthday at the diner. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot about the plane crash subplot. That was really weird. Yeah, that's Jane's dad. Yeah, yeah. The air traffic controller. Yeah, it's also like there's so many characters in the Breaking Bad who are just like super casual, like. <laughs> An airplane, like, it's it's like well past it, but like, an airplane just like exploded mm-hmm. <laughs> above your neighborhood. There's a, they uh, ran into each other, right? An air yeah. collision, yeah. yeah. This is, I mean, the movie that's one of the greatest TV shows of all time, but it's still so weird to me that that's like, this would be like the biggest story of the year yeah. in the country. Yeah. <laughs> this happened. There's been like one of those in the history of flight, one mid <laughs> air collision. Oh, <laughs> I got another one for TV is, uh, I don't know about season two, but season one of True Detective yeah. definitely has that. You got the interview structure, which is the memory, but it also yeah. has the structure of uh, it goes back and forth with the time jump. Yep. Part of it is like a function of the investigation, but part of it is it talking about some time. Too. I mean, yeah, you you don't get the the meme from that year. Time is a flat circle without mm-hmm. the show playing with time itself. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's true. I don't want to jump straight back to movies. Like we can still talk about TV shows whenever. Oh yeah, go for it. Uh, Vanilla Sky, another trippy. Where are we in the timeline? Movie mm-hmm. that I thought was really good. I liked it. Um, and the reveal is is excellent. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, great movie. The I. I get, I still get like that, like chill when he's in the bar and mm-hmm. everyone's this is like the cacophony and he just goes, everyone shut up and everyone like stops talking and stares at him, mm-hmm. like when he realizes that he might actually be con- in control of his world. Mm-hmm. It's really neat. Uh, horrifying moments 
playing with time when he's walking into the bathroom at night to turn the light switch on mm-hmm. to not know if he's going to be disfigured or not. Yeah. So scary that, like, you see his shadow, you see him reaching for the light switch, and you don't know what the mm-hmm. fuck time it is or if he's yeah. going to be fucked up. It's like the Schrodinger's cat thing. Yeah. Like, he's, he's both at the same time. Right. That movie's critically panned, but I... I like it. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I really host is good, too. If yeah. you want the original... Double up on your P-Cruise. Yeah. Um, I go on that P-Cruise. I always jump to this because it's Tom Cruise being a very un-Tom Cruise movie, so I want them together, but I'm trying to remember linear stuff on Magnolia. Yeah. I don't... It's so many stories. It might just be kind of that like, hyperlink thing mm-hmm. we were talking about. I think it's hyperlink. I don't think there's anything that takes place that's from before anything else happened. Right. I think it's concurrent. It's like... It's a, just weird. <laughs> the Strangest Day in L.A., Right. Essentially, is how it kind of plays out. Yeah, I do like that movie though. Guys, we made it this far without talking about David Lynch. Uh, Holland oh, Drive. Holland Drive oh, yeah, is fuck. yeah. Come on, guys. We're <laughs> better than that. <laughs> that complete mindfuck of a movie. I know that you've said like, oh yeah, Cassandra watched it. She she understood it. And it's just like I don't get how you sit down and watch that and go, huh? That was a good movie, especially first way through. I've seen it like a couple times. And not just for the lesbian scene. <laughs> she has uh, seen parts of it like 20 times. <laughs> the, brilliant, uh, <laughs> the brilliant part of that DVD is there's no chapters, so you can't like skip to a chapter. Man, remember when movies <laughs> had chapters like, in it? You're like, there are no chapters, but you just have to fast forward to like hour 22 minutes, <laughs> whatever it is. 34 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> the part that I watched every time is just the, the little people dancing out of the tiny blue box. I think the most I've seen of that movie is the reveal behind Shakey's of the dumpster guy. Just because like the, it'll be on lists of like scariest scenes ever or scary scenes in normal movies. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember the first time I saw it, it was so fucking creepy. <laughs> I think after watching Mulholland Drive a couple of times, at some point I had a good bead on what was all going on. Yeah. And I had a pretty good pretty good uh, understanding of it. But it's just been too long. That yeah. Stuff kind of decays with time with me. Yeah. I'm trying to find another one that's like classic. Well, there's a classic, it's a memory one, but it's probably the one of the grandfathers to a lot of these. It's Rashomon. Uh, I've never, I know it. Mm-hmm. That's about it. That one's, it's memory, but it is truly non-linear, and they're going back and replaying scenes and going back further, and how it's kind of hyperlinked mm-hmm. in the, the structure, but it's still, movie's still kind of worth it to see, even though you, yeah. it definitely inspired so many different things. I love, it's so interesting. I love, going back to this list on Wikipedia, it's the list of non-linear movies. Uh, two of, like, the, two movies that are always on, like, movie snobs, like, best movie of all time lists are both on here. Uh, Fellini's Eight and a Half and mm-hmm. Godard's Breathless. I haven't seen either because just kind of a, a reaction to people who are insufferable about uh, movies. Two copies of Breathless because uh, Andrew gave me two because he had three. <laughs> <laughs> like the first night I met him. It's like, here, take these movies. Why don't you give me two copies? I don't know, give one to somebody else. They were identical. He just bought three. <laughs> I, I know I've seen that movie, but it's just like, there's so many French New Wave movies that all look and feel and have similar plots to me. Mm-hmm. Nothing against the French. <laughs> the French. The French. Those are the kind of, Paris. There's a newish one that's got definitely non-linear. Yeah, kind of a time travel aspect mm-hmm. of a non-linear. Yeah. This, the, this listed Scott Pilgrim vs. the Universe. I saw that. I was trying to, I'm trying to think what they are talking about. Are they talking about the... Hyperspace 
highway, but oh uh, well, at the end he travels back in time essentially and goes and goes to the fight again. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's the yeah, one that's, scene. That's that. But that's the Jason Schwartzman fight, right? But like, see, to me, I didn't even consider that because that's like, oh, it's a video game. He lost a life, and he's good. It's like I don't right, really consider uh, live die repeat nonlinear. Right. It's just like or Groundhog it's, Day. It's, it's, it's the reality you're in. Yeah. Yeah. Groundhog Day is good. No. It's yeah. Live die repeat and Groundhog Day are hyperlinear. It's like. <laughs> Constantly trying to <laughs> slam against this wall of moving forward and not getting anywhere. Nothing, right. nothing changes. Yeah. You get no other story. To me, if that's the same reason of the ending of Scott Pilgrim, then it's just going back and right. doing it again. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Having an extra life. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to think yeah, where yeah. the hell they got that from. <laughs> no, no, you're you're an idiot, TJ. You made this list. I know you did. <laughs> I see it's edited by TJ Stinkface. TJ Stinkface. <laughs> Don't give away his last name. <laughs> Yeah, TJ. <laughs> Face. Yeah, but like I've seen, like The Grudge and Ju-On, I don't really know what it is in there, but... Ju-On? <laughs> Turn on your Ju powers. Or the sequel, Ju-On-A Man. Shut <laughs> up. God damn it. Alright, we're reaching that point of the podcast. Yeah, they start making noises at each other. Well, let us let me reach into the, the third estate. What about non-linear video games? Oh, boy. That's, that's kind of tough. Final Fantasy VIII, very famously non-linear. That's what I, that's what I was thinking of. With the uh, long hair guy. <laughs> Dealing with... Uh, are you talking about Zack? Lucretia or whatever. No, Zack's FF7. Oh, well, I guess that's also the whole Zack Cloud soldier thing. Yeah. But I guess that's not really non-linear. It's more just kind of who am I shit. It's kind of just like what happened before the game you yeah. get a flashback to. And just people who we thought were something weren't. But yeah, there's the whole orphanage uh, story and you know the retelling of that. Yep. Final Fantasy, actually, thinking about it now, does a lot of non-linear storytelling. There's in Final Fantasy X, yeah. the whole idea... I just love saying spoiler before like 16-year-old games that take like 80 hours to play. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the whole fact that, like, the main the main character is dead and so is Oron. Mm-hmm. And the people you're with, you're trying to guide to defeat Sin, died previously trying to beat it. Mm-hmm. And you came to this world to try again. Yeah. Didn't think of a bunch of RPGs that kind of have that element. Mm-hmm. Chrono Cross is similar. Well, yeah. Chrono Cross and Chrono Trigger kind of have to be. For the time element. It's, yeah, they're about manipulating time. One thing I was thinking of is, uh, is Bastion. I don't know if you played all the way through yeah. Bastion. yeah. But, I didn't play all the way through, but... <clears throat> so... I love that game. I got it. I got, got it on Steam. I've, I've played it. Yeah, but you you reach a point in that game where, you know, you're building this this device and you can... You're given a choice whether you want to uh, leave this land that's been, you know, taken over and corrupted. Or you can use the energy in the machine to set everything back the way it was. Mm-hmm. And the awesome thing about that is that they have a built-in New Game Plus. And if you choose that ending... It starts. Mm-hmm. Starts the game over. And the narration f- hits so much better on New Game Plus. Because it's the same in your first playthrough or your 10th. Mm-hmm. You know, the first words out of the narrator's mouth are, the kid wakes up. He doesn't know where he's going, but he knows he's got purpose. That, like... That narrator's so awesome. Yeah. Darren Corb, game. I think his name is. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Bastion. It's a hard to look this up in video games. Well, there's so much in video well, games. Well, it's, it's because like your gameplay is a thing that doesn't mean what we're talking about. Right. It's right, like, it's right, like right, right. world shit. Yeah, so it's hard to. Yeah, if you talk about narratives, besides flashback or time travel, Ooh. it's hard to tell. Max Payne, that series does a lot of nonlinear stuff. Yeah, more than just flashbacks. 
because you've got like sections where you're playing through where you're being pursued by the cops, sections where you're you know walking to find your crying baby. Yeah, like some Max Payne games will start near the end where you're doing a thing, and it like the final thing is you know earlier on. Yeah, there are two video games that I found that what we're talking about, and I've never heard of either one of them. One is Sonic Adventure. Oh, played it, but is that Sonic Adventure? Streamcast. Yeah, whatever. That game. That game was bizarre, but that's not the the other one. I've never heard of it. Y'all might as Tribes Vengeance. It's a first-person shooter. Tribes yeah, I don't, I don't. Tribes is a completely different planet. It's told out of order. Yeah. Well, there's really famously there was. Uh, I say really famous when I talk about video games, but understand that the universe is small. Um, notoriously, Titanfall Two uh, just recently had a level. There's an awesome article on Waypoint, which is Vice Media's video game slice, mm-hmm. where you are the protagonist playing through it in two different timelines uh, and it jumps back and forth between which one you're playing in. And they designed the level in like a clever way so that the levels are basically sandwiched on top of each other Mm -hmm. for, so that it's not like flip to this cutscene so they can like secretly load the new level behind it. It's just like you jumping back and forth and the story is being told through the pre, through the stages that's happening in the past and through the stages happening in the future every time you jump back and forth so you can like clip out parts of it by accident but yeah read the article I did a terrible job of explaining it Titanfall 2 level but yeah it's fun I like clever ways to tell stories yeah you know think, going through that list I, I really didn't like land on one where I went yeah that's a cheap way to tell a bad story smarter it feels like directors set out to do it to, for good cause especially if you're taking out time travel hyperlink or flashback then it's just a director choice. Yeah. And you're left with getting creative too. Which, I mean, presenting the story is just as important as the story a lot of times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that being said, my one, you know, the winner of the turd trophy is Mr. Nobody. That did nonlinear storytelling because it, just because it had to, because the rest of it was too fucking boring. <laughs> yep. And the way they did it, they completely neutered it. Yep. Because all of these were potential choices, so there was no stakes to anything you were watching. Oh, right. I wish it didn't matter at the end. There is there is a there's a universe out there where I never assign this for homework and everyone is better for it. <laughs> Even in its failure, I thought it was interesting. Not interesting as like a good thing, but interesting what they tried to do. David, don't make me go back. Don't make me talk about this movie anymore. <laughs> okay. But if that does it for nonlinear stuff, we'll go to assigning the homework. Cool. And uh, we're doing a new structure for homework assigning. Rather than off the top of the dome. We're kind of going to hit the cycle. We're still going uh, sequentially for all of us assigning it, but we're going to take turns doing um, homework that ties in with the main topic. Uh, homework that... Lends itself well to a draft or other game. There you go. So we can try to do a monthly Some draft. Kind of game. Yeah. And then the third one we're pretty excited about is uh, movies for potential induction into the talk of fame. Yay. Kind of a Hall of Fame for things we talk about, and I don't know, not just the best movies of all time, but maybe the most... Our favorites. Yeah. Most favoritist. Or, as I was talking to TJ last night, movies that I want to nominate for the Hall of Fame, just to watch us all spike it to the fucking ground. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. The four of us putting our middle fingers up to everyone else who loves the movie, saying, Mm -hmm. your favorite band sucks. But uh, those will be fun. It'll be... uh... We'll have some kind of like questionnaire that'll go with it to kind of drive the conversation and make sure we hit all the topics of whatever mm-hmm. movie we bring up. And then at the end, we'll straight up vote. Three out of four, it gets put in. Two out of two, it doesn't. 
Yep. Boats can be bought. (laughs) (laughs) Boats can be bought. Kevin Smith, if you're listening, remember that that bit about spiking a movie right into the fucking ground? Maybe Clerks. So long. (laughs) (laughs) So long that tip of the the, the cycle that we're doing. First one I'm going to do is uh, homework that coincides with the main topic I've been wanting to talk about. I want to talk about remakes next week and uh, remakes that shouldn't have been made and things that we think should be remade. Good premise, bad execution. And I'm going to be talking dread, about... Dread, 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 dread. <laughs> not, not dread. <laughs> but this is available on Netflix. And uh, I thought it was interesting and pretty funny. We have all seen the remake starring our beloved Brendan Fraser. The original Bedazzled. Oh, nice. Huh. Never seen it's the got uh, Dudley Moore and Peter Cook in it, who were legendary uh, comedic team before Dudley Moore was just a professional drunk guy. Nice. And it's very 60s, too. It's like got some out-there psychedelic stuff. Cool. I don't know. This is the most excited I've, I've been for a homework that was like... Pre-1990. Yeah. yeah. Because... And I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I know I've told you guys, but Bedazzled was one of those movies that just... Not by my own making. I saw Bedazzled in the movie theater, in the actual movie theater, yeah. like eight times. <laughs> so I would love to see the... Uh, the prequel. Yeah. <laughs> and it's set in the swinging 60s in London. Solid. Neat. Good pick. Yep. But yeah, see, Bedazzled. It's on Netflix, and uh, make sure it's the older one. <laughs> <laughs> or just watch the, the B phrase yeah, one. I was going to say, watch both. Go, yeah. go back to back on him. Yeah, because if we're talking on reboots, remakes, rehashes, I'm going to make sure I got my notes ready to compare the two. Yeah. <laughs> is the is the remake still on Netflix? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Either. I bet you can buy it for like like ninety nine cents from the Hallmark Channel from BrendanFraser.net. <laughs> Everybody knows BrendanFraser.net. You're home for all Fraser news. <laughs> Fraser.biz. <laughs> all right, and then that does it. We get Raquel Welch. Yeah, the, that's fun. Nice. Yeah, it's a pretty fun movie. Yeah. Um, cool. See our stuff. <laughs> yeah. This was talk talk the podcast for media by us. Please visit the site and see our stuff. Uh, I want to say thanks to Twitter at the Media Bias. <laughs> Thanks to having an email the Media Bias at gmail.com. Thanks to our Facebook groups Movies by Us, TV by Us, Games by Us. We would love to hear from you for any podcast thought topics, hot topics. Uh, please subscribe to the stuff and do reviews and whatnot. Thanks to the Willow Walkers for the intro music. Thanks to Boo Reefa for the outro music. And I want to say more thanks to you guys for being here and talking. Oh, thanks, David. Thanks, TJ. No one says thanks, David, enough. Oh, thanks, thanks. David. You're Thanks. okay. Thanks, David. Thanks, Brent, for not being here. I'm just kidding. That's mean. It's so pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back when we're back. Bye. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things that I know. We're gonna do the good, 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 good.